And then our sermon text today is from Exodus chapter 3, the first 15 verses of that chapter. Let me just remind you, this is God's word to us, and it's given to us because he loves us. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. The Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. This is the word of the Lord. So last week we looked at Genesis 15 and the covenant that God made with us through his covenant representative, Abraham. Covenant being a relationship between God and his people and mutual personal commitment. And God makes his covenants with mankind through and with a covenant representative where all the people enjoy the blessings and the curses of the covenant relationship by being in that covenant head. And so last week we looked at this covenant that God makes with his people through Abraham, where he promises that he's going to make Abraham's name great. He's going to make from Abraham this great nation, and that is going to come through his own heir, not not this guy Eliezer of Damascus. And he's also going to give this people, this nation that's going to come from Abraham, their own land to dwell in, to find a home. Now, last week in Genesis 15, we skipped over 
verses 13 through 16. We didn't spend a lot of time in there where God promises Abram at the time that all of this is going to come to pass. But first, your lineage through a series of unfortunate events is going to become slaves in that place for 400 years in a foreign place for 400 years. But don't worry, have no fear. You'll be long, be long, you'll be long dead by them when I get them back here to this place. And after 400 years, God begins this process of bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt back to the land promised to Abraham through a new chosen servant, a new covenant representative, this time Moses. And where does God go to find this hero who will lead his people out of bondage? Well, God goes where he always goes, to the middle of nowhere, out in the wilderness, out in the middle of nowhere. And how did Moses get to be out here in the middle of nowhere, Midian, married to a non-Jewish woman and working for his non-Jewish father-in-law, tending his sheep? Well, if you know the story, a brief recap, of course, um, God's people enjoy a time of prosperity in Egypt for quite a while. But then a pharaoh comes to power who does not remember Egypt's relationship with Joseph, their ancestors. He has the young Hebrew boys slaughtered in the slaughter of the innocents. Moses being one threatened by this. But as you know the story, he is actually saved by the Egyptians Later in life, he tries to intervene in the oppression of his native Hebrew people, and that does not go well. So he flees to the desert and finds himself in Midian. He's exiled from his adopted people, the Egyptians, and he is also estranged from his own people, the people of Israel, the people of his birth. And so we have Moses, the unlikeliest of heroes, yet here, heroes, yet here he is meeting God in a burning Bush. If you remember, we talked about last week that often in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament as well, fire and smoke are often used to represent God's presence. Listen again to verses seven through eight at this meeting. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And we see here God's intimate knowledge of his people's affliction. It says that God has seen. It says that God has heard their cries. He sees, he hears, and now he is coming to confront Pharaoh and do something about it. And how he's going to confront Pharaoh and do something about this situation is he's going to send Moses to do it. And listen again to Moses's reaction to this news. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God says, but I will be with you. Moses begins to object. Who am I? What? Who am I that I should go and do this job? And, you know, it's it's a fair point. I mean, let's not miss that it's probable, maybe likely, that Moses was just fine out in exile in the middle of nowhere. He's making a new life with a wife, children, 
He's working for his father-in-law. I mean, nobody really wants to work for your father-in-law. But I guess if the alternative is rejection, imprisonment, and perhaps execution, then I would say maybe Moses was feeling like he was doing just fine out here in the middle of nowhere working for his father-in-law. He was quite comfortable. He was far away from his countrymen's misery. Moses, you see, he isn't looking for God. He's just trying to find a good spot to graze his sheep. He's not out job hunting, looking for a new job. He's got a job. So as God is wont to do, he goes out into that comfortable place that Moses is in and shakes him up. As God so often does, he enters into the mundane, the everyday, our everyday lives and invites us to encounter his presence and his activity in the world. So the question is, when God shows up in our everyday comfortable routines and invites us to engage with him, what will our response be? God could have freed Israel from Egypt just fine without Moses. He didn't need Moses, but he sends Moses back to where Moses is not welcome, but where Moses's people are suffering. And if you notice, God doesn't even answer Moses's question. Moses asks, who am I to go? Who am I that you would send me to do this job? And God says, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because I will be with you. That's what matters. So Moses's objection turns from who am I to be sent to? Well, who are you? Who are you? What's your name? And God's response is, I am. In effect, it doesn't matter so much who you are, Moses. What matters is who I am. And who I am is I am. Which may be to be translated as I will be who I am and I am who I will be. In this season of Lent, as we reflect on Jesus's journey to a cross, this is also a time, and rightly so, that we lament that life is often difficult. And we need God to act. And we often ask the question, does God even care? Does he even care what is happening in my life or the life of my loved ones or the life in the life of this world? That's what the people of Israel were asking. God, do you care? Do you care that our children are being murdered? God, do you care that we are harshly oppressed? God, do you even care about poverty, war, violence, persecution? See, the history of God bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt by calling Moses this very unlikely choice for the job is so important to us because it reinforces for us that while this journey is often hard and painful and difficult and dark, what matters is not who we are, but who God is. And who God is, is with us intimately with us. He sees, he hears, and in the essence of who he is, what it means to be God is present. I am, I exist, I be, and who I be is with you. And Moses will go on to argue with God that he's still, even despite all of this, please God, send someone else, anyone else but me to do this, to the point that God actually finally gets angry with Moses's objections. But time and time again, the thrust of why Moses doesn't have to be afraid where God is taking him is that God is with 
him. And if you read the Exodus story, you know, it doesn't go easy for Moses. It's not easy (laughs) interacting with Pharaoh and trying to convince Pharaoh to let Israel go. And it's not, it doesn't go easy even when Moses leads the people out of slavery in Egypt in the Exodus. It doesn't go easy once they have left Egypt. And what does Moses say? Time and time again, if you don't stay here with us, if you are not being here present, then this whole thing, this whole journey, this whole operation is pointless. Because what we need you to be in your essence is with us. You see, we so often think that we have to go find God. Like it's this great cosmic hide and seek game. That our problem is that God is far off and distant or that there are things blocking our path to God and we have to figure out how to get over them and around them and under them in order to reach where God is. But you have to understand he is already present. That is who God is in his being present with you. You just have to be open. You have to open yourself and surrender to him as he is. As he be not as who you want him to be or wish him to be. To open and surrender your heart and will to the God who knows us by name and shares his name with us, Yahweh, I am. Open and surrender to the one who cares about our suffering, who himself was willing to come down from a mountain to go and set his people free. And if we wonder, does God even care? We look no further than the face of Jesus who set his face towards Jerusalem this Lenten season to journey to Jerusalem, to suffer in our place in order to set the captives free. You have to remember the three basic promises that God gives us in scripture. Do not be afraid because I am with you. Because I love you. We may not get an answer to the question of pain, but we do get a God who suffers with us, whose very name is I will be who I am, and who I am is with you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.